Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Cannon Fire podcast today for episode number 93. Now, this is going to be a bite-sized edition of CFP. One, because I am on vacation in beautiful Kingsport, Tennessee. And two, because of the resources available to me right now, they don't allow us to put out a show of the normal production quality that we have. So I'm going to be rocking solo today. I'll be talking to you guys about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, reading off in the live chat. Let's talk about it. First and foremost, Merry Christmas. Antonio Santiago, see you're already in here for the live chat. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. And everyone coming in, Merry Christmas. You got some cool stuff for Christmas. Definitely let us know. Let's talk about it. And let's talk about what's on your mind for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, we never put out an official show for the reaction against the Houston Texans, a 23-20 defeat for our Bucks and the end of the game win streak. It was four games long at that point. So uh, we're going to talk about that today. We'll talk about some of the rumors coming out as well. You've heard, I'm sure, some of the contract negotiations with Jameis Winston and how those are going and uh, plenty of other things going on with the Bucks that are happening this holiday season. We'll talk about those here today on the show. But welcome back for unofficial episode number 93. Now, as always, I am your host, Rhett Matthew. Normally with me is my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks football, Evan Wanish. But he is not going to be here today. Um, kind of like I said earlier, the resources available to us right now, we just don't have enough to really put out a show like we normally do. Um, I'm working off of one simple laptop here, and the programs available to me are just none that we can use. So at the end of the day, it's unfortunate, but I figure I'd jump on YouTube, go live with you guys for a little bit. That way we can put out some content because, of course, it is a beautiful ho uh, holiday week, and it's a beautiful day here in Tennessee as well. I think 52 degrees right now. It's sunny outside, and it feels really, really good. No snow, which is unfortunate. I was looking for some snow, but it happens. So let's talk about this game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 23 to 20 and a loss against the Houston Texans. The game streak is uh, the game win streak is over. Excuse me. And uh, it really was a game that felt like we shouldn't have been in it as long as we were. The defense played elite. Um, there isn't much else you can say about the defense. They went out there had probably one of the best games they've had this season. Jameis Winston. Lost us that game. I'm not going to sit here and, and pile the entire thing on him. <laughs> because let's be honest here. If Cameron Bright had caught a pass on fourth down and converted the pass that bounced right out of his hands, that was in his hands, I think the Bucks would have won that game. Despite Jameis Winston's four interceptions. Um, you know, there were a lot of things that the Buccaneers didn't do very well. And it, it, it kind of follows the theme of, shooting themselves in the foot. We've definitely heard that one before. And we just saw that again on display against the Texans on Saturday. Saturday, by the way. I think I said Sunday. But we saw it again. And, you know, it sucks when these things happen because it's late in the season. You should be disciplined enough to not let these things happen. But the source of everything that ended up happening was, of course, Jameis Winston's four interceptions. And, you know, this is a game, uh, if you guys listen to the show, you know that I am an avid supporter of Jameis Winston. I love the guy. I think he's great. 
I think the Buccaneers are going to pay him, and we'll talk about his contract talks here in a minute. But I'm a big fan of Jameis. I don't like to see him not do well. And we know that he is a quarterback who has the potential to not do well. And Saturday was just another example of that. Um, this was just a loss for, for Jameis this week. I, I mean, if you guys are on the Jameis defender side, you just got to chalk it up as an L because that's what it is. It was not a good showing, and he didn't do anything more than anyone else to help us win that football game. The defense kept us in that game. They did a tremendous job, especially the secondary. They shut down a very high-powered Houston Texans offense. So shout out to them. But the over-glaring issue is, of course, Jameis Winston in his four-interception day. A few hours before the game, that announcement came out that the Buccaneers were slated to keep him into the 2020 season. And uh, a lot of people doubted it, including myself. And we learned from Bruce Arians after the game that a decision has not been made. But, of course, it wouldn't be Buck football if a big announcement is made like that and then the player it involves goes out and has a terrible day. That's just how it works. So, for Jameis, oh, man, you got to be better. Like, there, there really are no excuses anymore. I said at the beginning of the season after San Francisco, I'm not making excuses anymore. And this is one of those games where Jameis, he just has to be better. And he knows that. Everyone on the planet knows that he knows that. It's a matter of putting it into action. And I think one of the interesting things that I pulled from his press conference this week, uh, a lot of Bruce Arians and what he said as well, is that headed into this offseason, Jameis has an entire season of himself playing in a Bruce Arians-Byron Leftwich offense. He doesn't have to watch film of Carson Palmer doing it four years ago. He can watch film of himself. And that's pretty critical because we know that Jameis is a guy who spends morning to night in the film room. Do we not? So I think for him to finally have a resume put together of himself, both good and bad, I think this offseason we're going to see the biggest change that we've seen him uh, in Jameis Winston since the start of his career. I truly do. I think Bruce Arians and his system still bring a lot of good to the table, and I think they have a lot of time to figure out what's going on with him and these interceptions, especially at home. It seems like at home is when he throws the most interceptions. Uh, I know there's a stat floating around there about that, and it, it's like some eighth wonder of the world type stuff. But Jameis Winston does not play well in Raymond James Stadium, and we have to figure out how that is. Taking a look at the live chat, Antonio Santiago still hanging out with us, said balling out on Madden. That's awesome, man. Frank G says howdy. What's going on, Frank G? Merry Christmas to you. And uh, by the way, anyone listening on our outlets, we are live on YouTube right now. I know I've mentioned that before, but I'm going to constantly be checking back to the live chat. So uh, forgive me if that confuses you at all. Um... But more about this game on Sunday. You know, we talked about Jameis Winston and his performance. Let's talk about the rumors coming out of the contract negotiations. Now, if you guys are active on Twitter or really any form of social media, you know who J.C. Cornell is, and you saw the leak that came out this week that said Jameis Winston's agent has said that he would not be happy with a franchise tag, and he is expecting $30 million. And if he doesn't get that met by the Bucs, then he would no doubt go test the open market. Because let's be honest, if the Bucs don't want to pay Jameis $30 million, he's going to get paid that money somewhere else. You know it, I know it, we all know it. Jameis's agent knows it. Which leads me to believe that I think this is just agent talk. I think this is just... I, I think this is just 
upon being put into place uh, to allow Jameis to maybe have a little more wiggle room in the negotiation process, I know the Bucks want Jameis here next year. We all do. And I truly believe they're going to do whatever they can to keep him here. They're not going to pay him $35 million, but it does not seem far-fetched to me that the Bucks are going to pay Jameis $30 million. If it's a one-year deal, if it's a franchise tag, which his agent says he wouldn't accept, but let's be honest, what NFL player in the history of ever has happily taken a franchise tag? You name me one. So I believe that he probably wouldn't want a franchise tag, but I still believe the Bucks have that option. I know they're going to look that way. Um, but I just, I think a lot of this is agent talk, and I think it's, uh, I think it's negotiating. I think it's playing the game of being an NFL agent, and I think that's just what this is. Um, I also kind of believe that Jameis expects he's worth $30 million, but that's a conversation that I imagine is going to be had. But if you want my honest opinion, I think the Bucks are going to pay him. I think they're going to pay him whatever he wants. Uh, I don't think they're going to pay him over 35. Let me just say that. But if we're, you know, shifting from the 22, 24 million range to maybe the 30 million range, I still think the Bucks are going to get it done because all of your money is going to go into Shaq Barrett. It's just, it's going to go that way. So I think the Bucks pay him. We'll have to see what happens. Of course, we have a whole off season to talk about it. And uh, yeah, of course, we'll check in on the live chat, see what you guys think. Gil Ochoa says 30 million though. I think 22 and a half is the max. I do too. I think 22 and a half is a little reserved for Jameis, if we're being honest here. I know that the average fan is going to say that he deserves 20 to $25 million, you know, because of all the interceptions. He is productive. He's a very productive quarterback. And uh, Frank G also chimed in. We'll get to that here in a second. He's a very productive quarterback, but I think the Bucs are going to pay him 25 mil at the least. At the least. Kenneth Sarvis says, go Bucks. Merry Christmas and go Bucks to you. Frank G says, if Winston does not re-sign, who should the Bucks pick up? Teddy Bridgewater. Um, there's nobody better. I mean, maybe Teddy Bridgewater, but right now I think Teddy Bridgewater is the happiest he can be being the highest paid backup in the NFL. He's playing behind Drew Brees. He's on the Saints. He's not going to leave the Saints to come to Tampa. I just don't see that happening. But other than that, there really are not any valuable options at quarterback and free agency. I mean, who are you going to go get? Are you going to get Tom Brady? Are you going to get Phillip Rivers? Are you going to get Drew Brees? Like, it's not it's not going to play out that way. Um, it looks like there's a lot of options. It looks like there's a lot of people to go get. But I'll be honest with you. You can ask me and you can ask Evan, who is in the live chat as well. There is just not a better available quarterback in free agency than Jameis Winston. Unless Teddy Bridgewater is a lock and even then, it's a bit of a risk to go from someone like Jameis, who you know is going to get you those yards. He's going to throw those touchdowns. He's going to throw a hell of a lot of interceptions, too. But he's going to get you that production. I'm not saying Teddy Bridgewater can't be a starter, because I'm a big fan of him. But for Teddy Bridgewater to come into a team like the Bucks, I just can't imagine a scenario where, one, that ends up happening, and two, it ends up going well. Uh, I, I just, I really don't. Evan Wanish in the chat says, who's that guy? Where's the other guy? Uh, I am Rhett, and uh, you are the other guy. And the reason you're not in is I talked about it at the beginning of the show. I just wanted to jump on here, get some content out for the week. It is Christmas, so uh, Merry Christmas to you too, my friend. Thanks for jumping in and saying something, jerk. But 
uh, we just, we, we can't like, I, I could, you know, ring you up on the Skype and get you in here on that way, but I can't because the laptop I'm on does not allow me to get audio from the computer. And that's the entire way that we record the show. That's how we get your audio on the show. Um, so unfortunately we just weren't able to make it happen, but I figure I'd jump on live for a little bit, talk to everyone about the game, and of course, talk about Christmas and any plans that you guys may have. And anything else, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, let's keep talking about it, because we don't have a ton of activity in the live chat, but hey, it's all good. So, another thing about the game. You know, Jameis Winston didn't have a good game. He really didn't. But let's kind of talk about some of the things that the Buccaneers did do well, because there were quite a bit... Um, there were quite a bit of parts on this team that really showed no quit and had a very productive day. And let's say on the offensive side of the ball, we talked about Jameis. Let's pick it up with Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones had himself a day. 70-plus yards on the ground, and of course, I believe he had like 32, 35, um, somewhere around there for receiving. I don't have the stat sheet right in front of me, but a solid day for Ronald Jones and kind of exactly what we've been asking for. You know, we, we talked about it a little bit in uh, the last episode with Ronald Jones and how he was coming off of a day where he was primarily fed the football. And it was solid to see he didn't take it and blow the world up, but that's because there weren't a lot of offensive line uh, holes there. But he had himself a pretty productive day against the Houston Texans. Um, he just he looked good, and that's good to see because if you have a run game that can get going – it prevents your quarterback from throwing the ball 50 times a game. But, uh, of course, the Houston Texans game, James threw the ball 48 times, so I guess it kind of crushes that argument. But to see that productivity from Ronald Jones is exactly what you want to see. He opened the game, had that big 49-yard rush, the biggest one of his career, and that one felt good to watch because you wanted him to break one. For weeks we talked about it, how I think this game is going to be the one where he breaks it. Uh, the next game is, you know, going to be the one where he breaks it. And finally, it wasn't a big 50, 60, 70 yard rush for a touchdown, but he was able to get a pretty big play on the board to open up the game. And uh, you just love to see it because it's momentum like that that players can build on. So Ronald Jones had himself a good day. Peyton Barber was all right, I guess. He had the fumble, which wasn't that awesome. Um, and that was going back to the beginning. That was the plague of the Bucks all day long on Saturday was the turnovers. We talked on the game preview show that it wasn't going to be a high-scoring game, and it was going to come down to who won the turnover battle. Well, first drive, of course, we got a Jameis Winston pick six, so everybody kind of thought he was ready to go after that. It was going to be another 450-yard day, but it just would not end up happening that way. You had four interceptions from Jameis Winston, I believe another fumble lost, and it was just sloppy day, turning the ball over. The season of giving is really what the Buccaneers are all about, and we saw that on full display against Houston. Now, another part of this team that I do want to talk about, I mentioned them earlier, they're on the defensive side of the ball. That is the secondary, man. Week after week, Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis continue to trend upward. These guys are playing really good football to close out the year. And, you know, before the Texans game, they hadn't played any huge offensive threats. They played the Lions, they played the Jags, they played the Falcons, which, to be fair, have Julio Jones and Calvin, or uh, not Calvin, yeah, Calvin Ridley. Um, but Julio Jones was hurt. He was kind of in and out of the game. So they hadn't faced a true test 
of an offense until the Texans came to town with, of course, DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. You had Deshaun Watson, a guy who's really, really doing a good job. You had Will Fuller at wide receiver. Kenny Stills, I believe, in that rotation. So they were no slouches. And uh, they were able to hold them to a less than blockbuster day, which is not what Houston is used to. So uh, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Sean Murphy bunting as well. All of those guys just continue trending upward, and they're really, really continuing to look good. So uh, you really love to see that. Now, another thing from the game, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because it just simply isn't worth it. It's not worth me getting all worked up on the happiest day of the year for. Uh, but these goddamn referees, okay? So you guys saw it. <laughs> we all saw it. The first 10 minutes of this football game, there were countless missed calls. And I mean egregious holding penalties. It was ridiculous. Let me pull it up here. Through 10 minutes of Tampa, no call, pass interference against Brashad Perryman. There was a pretty bad holding call against Jamel Dean on the next drive, which is crazy because they'll call pass inter- or a holding on Jamel Dean but they're not going to call it for Rashad Perryman. It's one way or the other. It's how it is in Tampa. You had the missed face, ba- uh, missed face mask on Cameron Bray. That was probably the worst of the day for me because it was clear as day that the defender had Bray by the face mask and tackled him with his hand on it. But, of course, the referees didn't see that. Rich Eisen saw it, the guy who was messing up Jameis Winston and Deshaun Watson all day. He was able to see it, but nobody else did. There was another bad holding call on Ishmael Hyman, who, by the way, got waived by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yesterday, and that was due to him blowing a block, which I believe led to a two- or three-yard loss. I don't remember exact uh, exactly the play, but I remember that he was at fault for something that happened, and I'm almost positive that's why he got waived. But, again, bad holding call against him. And then, can't forget it, There was the play blown dead on Levante David's forced fumble. And that is the story of the Bucs this season, by the way. Let's just throw that out there. I don't think there is a team in the NFL more this past season who has had plays blown dead after it being a fumble, when it clearly is a fumble, but it's just ruled dead. Bucs don't get possession. It is what it is. It, It just, it's not a good look for NFL officiating. And it's bad around the league. We complain week after week. But it's bad around the league, not just for the Bucs. But this game in particular was really, really bad. So like I said, uh, I'm not going to sit here and rack my brain and try and remember every little thing because then I'm going to get pissed off again. But you guys saw it. You know exactly what happened. And it really was a shame because it somebody needs to be held accountable. And uh, that just did not happen. Now, there was another thing on my mind after the game on Saturday. And we'll talk about this. Maybe we'll jump in the live chat with you guys, and then we'll wrap things up for this Christmas edition of CFP. I came up with a theory on Twitter, and I said, maybe I'm spitballing, but I think Cam Brait checked his way out of Tampa Bay with his fourth down drop. I said I'll talk about it some more on the next CFP. Now is the next CFP, so let's talk about it really quickly. Cam Brait with a crucial drop, probably the most crucial drop of his career in terms of, you know, pressure put on Cam Brayton in those situations. It was a ball that was in his hands, 
and he had room to run. He had room to take this ball in and go four or five yards, and he just could not hang on to it. Turnover on downs, pretty much over at that point. This offseason, I think it was going to come down to O.J. Howard or Cam Brate. I really do. And I think right now, the way that the Buccaneers have been treating things, you know, I, I think they like both of their tight ends, but I think having two of those guys is a luxury. And I've got every reason to believe that they're going to pick O.J. Howard as opposed to Cam Brate. There's trade value in both of them. But with a guy like O.J. compared to a guy like Cam Brate, O.J. is younger. He's still on his rookie deal. He's got a little more upside. Um... And I just, I, I think, given the opportunity, while he has had some boneheaded plays this year, and I think, you know, he's been able to stay healthy this year for the first time in his career, but the boneheaded plays, the interceptions that he had against San Francisco and then the Saints, aside from that, I still believe you build this guy's confidence up enough, he's going to be a next-level tight end. And I think the Buccaneers feel that way, too. You compare Cam Bray, who is a solid player. And Frank G in the live chat said, Brayton has solid hands. That was shocking. It really was. Because I saw the ball going to Cam Brayton, and, you know, for a long time, he's had this aura of being Jameis Winston's number one go-to guy in the red zone, right? Before, even before he had Mike Evans in as big of a capacity. In a game like this, where he was down literally everybody, throwing the ball to janitors who, you know, um, Cam has had this identity as being a, a Good target for Jameis, one of the top guys on the field, and he just wasn't able to deliver, which was a shock. But I think that moment was what decided his fate. And I, it, it would not surprise me one bit to see Cam Brake get dealed somehow in the offseason. Of course, we have to see how it plays out, but I think when you're looking at an offense that doesn't exactly feature two tight ends and... You know, we saw OJ first half of the year take up a big, big role as a blocker to help out that line. The line has gotten a little bit better since the beginning of the year. I'll say that. I just, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you guys feel differently, but I feel like the Buccaneers are going to end up picking OJ Howard over Cameron Brait. And it is what it is. It sucks because I'm a big Cam guy. I like Cam Brait. I think he's a great player. I think he's a phenomenal tight end, which is why I think he'll go to any team in the NFL and fit in quite nicely. But you just look at the Bucks' options, I, I think they're going to go with OJ. But sound off in the live chat. Let me know what you guys think. We'll go over some of your messages, and then we will get out of here and let you enjoy the rest of your holiday. Now, uh, again, sorry for the production value. You know, I'm on a laptop in a closet. But, um, you know, we do the best that we can, and we really wanted to get some content out there for you guys. So we're going to make sure we can try and make that happen. Taking a look at the live chat. Let's get back to it. Atlas jumped in. He said, yo, just dropping a fast Merry Christmas to all before heading back. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Frank G wants to talk about free agency. We will talk about free agency next week after the season is over. Because uh, right now, I just I don't really want to do that by myself. And Atlas also said, as a fast note, wouldn't be shocked to see Jameis back for four years at $28 million a year. You know, it wouldn't shock me either. I think the Buccaneers... I kind of want to think they stick to a two- or three-year deal, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they signed him to four years, 28 mil. I, I'd like to see him ride out with the rest of Bruce in Tampa, and I think that's what the Bucks are going to plan for. <sighs> that's pretty much it for the live chat. So we're going to shut things down here. 
Uh, I just want to say thank you guys so much for jumping in here. It was an impromptu live stream. We really wanted to get some content out for you guys. Talk a little bit of Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That way we could say that we did. And, of course, celebrate the holiday with you. So thank you for making CFP very successful this past season. We've got one game left. We're not going to be doing a game preview show this week only because of the lack of technology that we have. But we will be back next week. We'll talk to you guys for episode number 94 regarding the Bucks games against the Atlanta Falcons to close out the season. I hope it's a win. Get themselves back up to 500. Set the tone for the offseason and really get the ball rolling for next year. Figure out you guys who are going to be here. Figure out who's not. And let's go chase a division championship. Ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon of Fire podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by, listening on all of our outlets, or watching with video on YouTube, of course, as we were live here today. Merry Christmas from CFP to you and yours. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show this past year. And we really hope that you have a great rest of your holiday and a very happy new year. Thanks for following us for the 2019 season. We got one game left, and we'll talk to you guys about it next week. I am Rhett Matthew. Signing off for Evan, who could not be here today, and we wish you a Merry Christmas. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.